0: Okay, good morning, Gateway family. It is great to see you this morning. I love the enthusiasm and the fellowship, so if you can kind of make your way to find a seat. Okay, it is good to see you this morning. Just several announcements as you make your way to your seat of things coming up in the life of the church, just so you're aware. Of what's going on. First of all, we had a great kickoff last Wednesday night for our Wednesday night Bible study groups. We had a lot of people here in full classrooms, and it was a great evening kicking off our fall midweek schedule. Those continue this week. It's not too late to join. Last week was a fellowship introduction week, so if you've not joined yet, you have not missed any of the study itself. The studies begin this week. For the adults, uh, William Fox and I are leading a study for the men called Family Shepherds. How do we better shepherd our families and our responsibility in the home to do that to encourage each other? And that, so we'll be doing that on Wednesday nights. So the ladies, you have two options. There's an Elijah study led by Trish Butterfield, and then Karen Fowler's doing a precepts, no homework study on the power of knowing God. If you'd like to join us this Wednesday, we're not here last week. We have books in the office. See me, see any of the small group leaders, and we can give you the study books if you want to start reading ahead for this Wednesday. All the details are on the website. Just go to gatewaybaptist.com and click on News and events. Two things coming up next Sunday we want you to know about. First of all, for some of our visitors, we're having a Discover Gateway lunch in class. If you've been visiting Gateway and you want to know more about what it means to be a member here, we're having an interest lunch on that and it's where we tell you more of the story of Gateway and how you can be involved. That's next Sunday right after the worship service at my house. Details are on the website. We do need you to register by Thursday to know that you are coming. And for everyone else on Sunday, we are having a missions interest lunch you heard last week from Taylor Fox in France and the work they were doing with the Navigators and reaching college students in France. And so they're going to be around after church next Sunday for a luncheon in the gym. It's a free pizza lunch to have lunch with the Fox family, learn more about their ministry in France. So it's free, but again, we need you to sign up for that. Just go to gatewaybaptist.com, click on news and events, and there's a sign up form there for the missions lunch next week. Then also, coming up in just two weeks, men, we're having a men of faith simulcast. This is a Paul David Tripp seminar, and we'll be simulcasting it here. So no, Paul David Tripp will not be here live in person, though I wish he was. This will be a simulcast of his teaching for men, of what is biblical manhood, what does our responsibility look like to follow God as men. That's at 9 a.m., and we'll wrap up with a lunch together. It's just three hours, so mark your calendar. Details and registration will be sent to you. This week. Now, lastly, we have a Spotify playlist. I'm so excited that Justin put this together for us. If you want to better learn what we sing, I want you to take a look at this. There's also on our website. Go to gatewaybaptist.com. These events. Justin's written a blog post on why we sing what we sing. So if you'd like to learn a little more of the theology and the reasoning for the songs we sing and the songs we do not sing, there's, he has written a beautiful description of that on the website for us with a link to the Spotify listing. So you can scan the QR code or you can go to the website and you'll see a direct link to the Spotify playlist. But it's the songs that we typically sing at Gateway. If you want to teach them to your kids, if you want to sing them as you're driving to better learn the things we sing congregationally, we've created a playlist on Spotify to help you with that, Well, speaking of which, we are excited that we do get to sing to the Lord this morning. And to prepare our hearts for that, can I ask you to stand? I want us to look at a scripture together as so we prepare our hearts for the joy of corporate praise this morning. I want to read to us from Psalm 150 this morning. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in the mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness friends we get to praise god's greatness this morning we're going to start off doing that this morning with a doxology
1: y'all sing this together with us praise
0: god from all-
1: Oh, creatures. all creatures, creatures of a God and King, lift up your voice. nothing compares to this what a beautiful name it is the name of jesus death could not for mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
0: of God. Take just a minute where you're standing and reflect on that and thank God for who He is. Reflect on His holiness and praise Him for it right now, just where you're standing. Father, what beautiful truths you've given us to proclaim today. Your attributes, your character, your nature, your holiness, and your glory. For we talk about these, we study them, we think about them some. Lord, I pray today as we not only have sung about them, but just a little while as we study your word and see more of your holiness, I pray you would increase our all of it. God, that you would give us eyes to see you for who you are. It would absolutely floor us, Lord, as we see you in your greatness. Or may we not take lightly the blessing we have of congregational praise and being able to sing to you about who you are and praise your name that is worthy of all praise. Lord, we know that our worship is not just limited to our singing. We worship you in all that we do. So I pray as we... Do baby dedications as we have intercessory prayer times, as we study your word together, Lord, as we sing again, that Lord, all of this would be an act of worship to you, the one true God. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. We get the joy right now of a baby dedication, so Snyder family, you guys come on up here for us. This is an act of celebration for us as a community of faith. Together, this is Jonathan and Megan Schneider, with their older ones, and also now with baby Madeline. They're a new family to Gateway this year, and so thankful that God in His promise has brought them to Montgomery for this season. And so, so thankful that they are here, standing before you today. So, so why is the family standing on the platform in front of you, their church family today? Because ultimately, they believe that God is Lord over all. Ultimately, they believe that God is sovereign over all things. As such. It's not just some theoretical knowledge that affects how we view family. If we believe that God is Lord over all, then we understand our children come from him, that they belong to him. We talk about our children a lot and your children, but we ultimately realize they're God's children. They belong to him and trusted to you guys for this season. And we see that truth in scripture. Psalm 127 says, children are a heritage from the Lord, they belong to Him, and they're given by God to you guys for this season. Likewise, we see in First Samuel chapter one this beautiful picture of Hannah praying for a child, and when God answers her prayer, she takes him to the temple. And in First Samuel one, she says, "For this child, I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition that I made to Him. Therefore, I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is lent to the Lord." Now, you guys know that's hard, right? Because when when God gives us blessings, I was trying to miss Donna about this earlier, we tend to want to close our hands around them. But in parenting, you know that these blessings God has given you, you hold with an open hand because they are gods who entrusted to you for this season. And so they recognize that Madeline, along with their other boys here, are a blessing, a gift from God, and an incredible blessing responsibility, as you already know. So here's the challenge to you, the charge to you about Madeline this morning. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 5 to 7. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise. That is a powerful command and one we can only do by God's grace to delight in the Lord ourselves all our heart and to talk about them and fill our home with the knowledge of the gospel and the truth of God. Likewise, Ephesians 6, 4, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and in the instruction of the Lord. Again, what a weighty task God has given to us to teach our children the ways of God. So a few questions for you guys, and then congregation, you're not off the hook. I got a question for you guys in just a minute. Also, but first for you guys, do you desire to seek God's grace? To have a home where you delight in God and in His gospel, we do. I know you do. Do you desire to have a home where God's word permeates your conversations and all that you do? We do? I know you do. Do you recognize this day that Madeline, like your other kids, are a gift from God entrusted to you for this season? Yes. We do. I you do. And do you commit this day by God's grace to teach Madeline God's ways, pointing her to Christ? And do you commit this day to regularly pray for the day that she will trust in Christ and walk with him? I know you do on that. Now, congregation, you're not off the hook yet. i got a charge for you guys as well because we need one another. We talk a lot about community, that we're not in this as Lone Rangers. But parenting especially brings out our need for one another, our need for grace, our need for help, our need for prayers, right, and our need for community. So, Gateway family, we agree to pray for Megan and for Jonathan is to raise Madeline and their other children and to pray that Madeline will trust Christ in early age and walk with him all her days. We agree to pray that for this family. Yes. That doesn't sound very confident. We agree to pray with this one. <laughs> I know you will. And let me just remind you, we've said this about many, many other families before. So I hope in your devotions and your family prayer times that you will pray for these other families that the Lord brings to mine. So would you join me in prayer as we pray over the sweet family here. Father, we are grateful for the gifts you give to us, the blessings you give to us, and we're thankful, Lord, as you bless different families with children for the gift of children to them. And so we pray today for John and for Megan as they seek to shepherd their family and raise their family according to your ways that you will give them much grace. As I think about that command in Deuteronomy, even in our own hearts, we see the impossibility of loving you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. So Lord, we have to cry out for grace that you would be turning our affections, turning our minds to the things of you. And then as we see the command to diligently teach your word to our children, Lord, in the busyness of life, we see how easy it is to fall short of that. And so we ask for much grace to do that. And so pray for Jonathan and Megan today, Lord, that you would give them much grace in their hearts to desire this and then to practically live it out, to find strength to point their children to you. And on the days where they're exhausted, on the days where they're strong and all the different seasons they walk through, that you would give them grace upon grace upon grace to have a home where your word permeates all they talk about and do. And we thank you this morning, especially for baby Madeline here, Lord. Thank you for the blessing she is and just the preciousness we see in her smile right here. Lord, we see that she is made by you, and Lord, what a reminder that, Lord, we are created in your image to reflect your glory. And so we pray for her that she would do that, Lord, that at a very early age, you would captivate her heart. What we just sung about this morning, you captivate her heart with how holy you are, how great your name is, and that would forever transform her life and change her to where she desires, not the things of this world, but she desires to know you, her creator, and walk with you and make you known. So we pray you would use her in mighty ways to make your name known in this lost and dying world world. Thank you for this family. We pray your blessings upon them. Pray you'll guard them from the enemy's schemes and just pour out your riches of your grace upon them and everything that they have. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. And we have a little Bible for Madeline here. So Thank congratulations God. to you guys. We're thankful for y'all. God bless you all. Big brother's excited also. Well, we want to have an intercessory prayer time. So Seth Rodebeck, one of our elders, is going to come and pray for us.
2: All right, let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for this day. We just thank you, Father, for your grace. We come into your presence this morning as a um, as your children, Lord. We come guilty before you. We come having sinned, and uh, we come covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. And we just thank you for that, Lord, that you have made a way for us to come into your presence. That you are holy. And you call us to be holy as you are, Father. And so we just pray that you would give us a great sense of peace this morning, a great sense of joy this morning, that we can come into your presence knowing that we are your children, that we are forgiven, and we just worship you, Father. You are holy. And, Lord, we want to lift up some specific requests to you as a body, Father. We lift up the Gateway Young Adults Ministry um, here, Lord. It's such a, a faithful group of people that come together each week. They meet on Thursday nights. To study your word. We've seen them serve this body in many different ways, and we thank you for them, Lord. We thank you for the life that they bring. We thank you that we have a group of young adults um, that, are, that are kind of figuring out uh, life after college, life uh, early on in their career, life early on in marriage, and they're seeking after you, Lord. And we pray that you would bless them, that you would raise up leaders among them, that they would continue to serve our body well, and that you would just bless them, Lord, with a great sense of unity and community, Lord, that you would guide them and direct them. We pray for Pastor John with the Mistech ministry here in town, Father, which I just thank you for him. He's been so faithful to minister to some of the people we've met at Capitol Heights Middle School, Lord, and um, he's just always there. He's always ready to respond, always ready to go and bring your gospel to people who need to know who you are, Father. And we just thank you for him and his faithfulness. Pray that you would bless him. Pray that he would continue to have all that he needs to take the gospel to the Mistech community here in Montgomery, and that you would just um, just hold him up in this time, Father. Lord, we pray for Reed Pace and uh, First Presbyterian Church. They have been great partners in the Capitol Heights ministry. We meet there uh, for our after-school tutoring program, and they are just so faithfully ministering the gospel. It's just an amazing story that they desired to move from East Montgomery closer into uh, towards downtown Montgomery, uh, specifically to minister the word of God uh, to people that are just in a very different walk of life from them, Lord. And we just pray that you would bless them. We pray that you would give them the resources they need to continue to meet there. And uh, we just thank you for their partnership and are just very grateful for them. We pray for Pastor Mark and his ministry in Haiti, Lord. Um, What what a ministry that is and and the way that he's ministering so faithfully down there in Haiti, Father. We just pray that you would give him all that he needs. We pray that you would give him energy. We pray that you'd protect his marriage. We pray you'd protect his church and that you would continue to bless him and the ministry he has there, that your name would be made much of in Haiti, Uh, Lord, we pray for the offering today. We thank you for the opportunity to, to worship you by giving of our resources, Lord, that we can very practically put our faith in you by giving of our money to your work. And we just declare, Lord, that as we do that, that you are going to provide for us. And we thank you for that opportunity. And we pray that we would use that money faithfully to make you known here at Gateway Baptist Church. And finally, Lord, we pray for Grady as he gets ready to share this morning. We thank you for his faithfulness to prepare, to study your word Um, to hear from you this week, Lord, and I pray that you would allow him just to speak clearly today what he has heard from you this week and to encourage your people with that message, Lord, and that we would be changed by that. Lord, we just thank you. I thank you for this family. I thank you for this church. And we just uh, cry out to you, Father. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And uh, Megan and I are leading kids' worship, so all the kids' worship kids, you guys can come with us today. Grades
0: one to four, Yep, Head out with Seth and Megan right now. Out those doors right there. Have fun with them, guys. First to fourth grade, yep. And then parents whose kids are headed to kids' worship, you will pick them up in the gym building in the blue hallway um, after, immediately after the service. Megan, y'all may need reinforcements. this all right. <laughs> They're still coming. The church just left. Molly's smiling down here over this. <laughs> Well, it's good to see you, Gateway we, we Find 1 Peter chapter 1 in your copy of God's Word. 1 Peter chapter 1 as we continue our journey through this amazing letter here. Now, as we find 1 Peter 1, I want to ask you, when you think about holiness, we've just sung about holiness a lot this morning, but when you think about practical holiness in our lives, what comes to mind? When your people talk about wanting to be holy or to pursue holiness, what comes to mind? Now, for some, when they hear this, they have flashbacks to legalistic rules of the past. Well, holiness means you don't listen to certain music, and you don't go to PG-13 movies, you don't play cards, you don't dance. For some people, holiness is associated with a set of don'ts, of things you're not supposed to do. Others, though, they may not verbalize it when they start talking about practical holiness. They see it somehow as old-fashioned, as restrictive, as cramping their style. Now, they may not verbalize it that way, but that's what their life shows now, for others, when they hear talks about pursuing holiness or being holy in your life, they feel a guilt in a way to, I just try so hard, but I keep falling short. I need to try harder, and they feel almost crushed by the talk of holiness in our lives. But for some, when we talk about holiness and pursuing holiness, they find joy, they find purpose, and they find a great delight. And can I suggest that that last response of the thought of holiness bringing us joy and delight and a sense of purpose it is not the norm in the church today but it should be. A.W. Tozer in his great book The Attributes of God, we have it in the Resource Center he says this, he said let's think a little about the Holy One and His creatures. We see that the Holy One allows only holy beings into His presence yet in our humanistic day our day of a watered down sentimental Christianity that blows its nose loudly and makes God into a poor, weak, weeping old man. And this day, that sense of the holy is not upon the church. And I think Tozer is right on that. In the day we live in, we have relegated our faith to a sentimental Christianity that makes God weak and brings God down to our level. And the sense of the holy, as he says, is not upon the church. I think so often in the church today and Christianity in general, the sense of the holy when we think about the nature of God is lacking. And the sense of the holy when we think about how our lives are to be as God's people is often lacking as well. But not to look out there, let's need to look in our own hearts, In your life, when you think about pursuing holiness as a follower of God, when you think about the commands to be holy, what happens in your own heart? What does pursuing holiness mean for you in your life? Not just what you can confess with the right theology, but we call our functional theology. What does your life show you really believe about God's call to holiness? that is the question that Peter addresses next in his letter. So before we get to our text for today, just where are we in the letter? For the last six weeks, or sorry, for the first six weeks, we focused on the introduction to the letter. We saw the grace of God on full display. God pursuing us, God giving us a salvation we do not deserve and we could not earn. We see God's grace on full display in those first 12 verses. Last week we began with verse 13 of chapter 1. That is the very first command of the letter, the first 12 verses, Tell us who God is and what he's doing for us. Verse 13 was the first command, the first imperative force. So look back at verse 13 because it's foundational even to what we see today. 1 Peter 1.13. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now remember, therefore, at the beginning here, this connects everything we're seeing now to the grace of God because of what God has done for us. Everything described in verses 1 to 12, therefore, here's what changes in our life. And in fact, the rest of chapter 1 and all of chapter 2, 3, 4, and 5 follows up on this therefore. Everything else Peter's telling us to pursue and to do is all grounded in what God has already done for us. Now, last week we saw the very first command, the very first thing that should change in our life because God's grace has pursued us, is it happens in our mind. And we saw last week that God calls us to discipline our mind, our thinking, to focus on Him and His grace. That's the foundation. As I said last week, the battle is won or lost in the mind. So with that foundation of pursuing God in our thoughts and in our mind, where does Peter go next? He goes to how we live, to the topic of Holiness. Today we're going to look at verses 14, 15, and 16. It's all one thought in Peter's writing. So yes, we're going to tackle three verses this morning, but it's all one idea here. And I want us to be looking for, as we read these verses, how does God call us to live? But not just how does God call us to live, why? Because Peter doesn't just say, go be holy. He tells us why this is so important. He gives us two reasons why this is so important. He grounds this command in two reasons. So as we read, be looking for not only what is God calling us to live like, but why? Why is God calling us to live this way? So 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 14 to 16. Can I ask you to stand, please, in honor of the reading of the Word of God. If you're a guest visiting with us, I'm reading out the English Standard Version. We'll also have the words on the screen for you. First Peter chapter 1, verse 14. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Would you pray with me? Father, I pray today that you would let your word come alive to us, that you would send your Holy Spirit to fill us as we look at your word, that it would be living and active and it would transform us and change us. Lord, I know as we talk about holiness, there's so much baggage we bring in of either things that we've heard wrong on this or things we've ignored on this. And so, Lord, I pray today this would be fresh to us, that you would give each of us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart that's ready and eager to respond to your word. So would you do it in our life for your glory? We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So I'm going to tell you what I want you to see from this text today. And then we will unpack it. So main idea of this text, key idea for us is this. God's will is for us to grow in reflecting his holiness in our lives. This is, I think, the main idea of these three verses, that God's will for you and for me is to grow in reflecting his holiness in our life. Friends, God has a plan for us. He's not left us wondering what what it is. And his plan for us is for us to be growing. But it's not for us to be growing in the things perhaps we like to grow in, right? His plan for us is not necessarily for us to be growing in wealth. Growing in influence, growing in success, growing in our career advancement, growing in our pleasures, growing in getting better at our hobbies, that's not the focus of God's will for us. God's will is for us to be growing, and particularly to be growing in holiness. Not so we can check some box, not so we can say we did some boring rules, but to reflect his holiness, to reflect his character, to reflect his nature, that he's calling us to image him, to reflect our amazing creator, redeemer, and friend through our lives, his will for us to grow in reflecting his holiness in our lives. Now, to understand this, in these three verses we read today, there's only one imperative. In the Greek language, there's only one command here, though in our English, it looks like there may be more. There's actually only one command in the center of this sentence, and it's actually repeated twice, and it's in verse 15. Go back to verse 15. But as he who called you is holy, here's the command, the imperative, you also be holy. And that command is so important. He repeats it in verse 16 here. Since it's written, you shall be holy for I am holy. So the simple command of these verses is quite simply just be holy. But friends, that command is much richer than I think most of us realize. Is it much more joyful than I think we normally expect it to be. I want you to see the wonder of it here. And to see the wonder of the command to be holy, Peter gives us two foundations for it. Two reasons why this is so important in your life and mine. First, who God is. And second of all, who we are. So the first reason is important is the nature of God. And the second reason is our new nature in Christ. So let's start with the nature of God. Peter grounds this command for our lives. It's a very practical command in the nature of God. Go back to verse 15. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy. So the reality, the basis of this command is that God himself is holy, And Peter starts there. Friends, we've sung about it, but don't you see it is all over Scripture. For example, his name is holy. Isaiah 57, verse 15. We just sung about this earlier, but Isaiah 57, 15. I think we have that up on the screen. For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. Notice that God's name is holy. And not only is his name holy, his character is holy. Psalm 99, verse 9. We see it there also. Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his holy mount. For the Lord our God is holy. So his character, his nature, not just his name, but his character is holy. And hence he is worshipped all throughout scripture as holy. Isaiah chapter 6 verse 3. This is where you have the beings around the throne worshipping him. And one called to another and said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of... Of his glory. Now, this is the only attribute, the only characteristic of God, repeated three times like this in scripture. When the beings around the throne see God, yes, God is merciful, but they're not saying mercy, 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 or love, 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 the things that we tend to focus on. They're seeing God's glory and they're saying holy, holy, holy. So, if God's character is holy, if His name is holy, if He is worshiped as holy, what does that actually mean? How do you define the holiness of Of God, And if you try to read different theologies, people struggle to come up with definitions for holiness. Here's one that I like because I love the honesty of it. It's again from A.W. Tozer in his book, The Attributes of God. He says, holiness means purity. Holiness means purity. But then he says, but purity doesn't describe it enough. So he says, holiness is purity, but, well, that's not enough. There's more. So what is the more of holiness if it's more than purity? This is where I love Wayne Grudem. He's got a great systematic theology out there. Grudem says this. God's holiness means that he is separated from sin and devoted to seeking his own honor. He's separate from sin and devoted to seeking his own honor. And I like that definition of holiness because it's the both end that I think we see in Scripture. He is separate from sin. That's what Tozer was saying. He is pure. In fact, he is so pure, temptation can't even affect him. James chapter 1, verse 13. I think we have that one on the screen for you. James chapter 1, verse 13. Will no one say when he's tempted, I am being tempted by God for God cannot be tempted with evil. God is so pure. It's not just he doesn't sin. He can't even be tempted by sin. It has no pull on him like it has on us because he's completely pure in all things. Likewise, describing Christ, Hebrews chapter seven, verse 26 is a beautiful description of the nature of Christ. For it is indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest. Notice this, he's holy. And now here's some other descriptions to help us get what it means he's holy. He's innocent. Never done wrong, right? He's unstained. He's separated from sinners. He's exalted above the heavens. It takes all those phrases to help us begin to capture the purity of God, the purity of Christ, how he's separate from sin. That means God has never once had a sinful thought, a sinful motivation, a sinful word, a sinful action. He's never once and never will commit any sin, even the smallest type, because he's completely pure. He's completely Holy. But his holiness is, like Tozer said, is more than just that purity. Second of all, his holiness means he's devoted to seeking his own honor, his own glory. He's committed to seeking his own honor and glory. Now, that's hard for us because if we seek our own honor and glory, well, it's a sin because we don't deserve our own honor and glory. We are sinners, but God is holy, so his holiness requires him to seek his own honor and glory. He is so perfect, so set apart, so amazing. He's committed to showing his glory, his perfections to all. Everything God does, friends, is to showcase his glory. We talk a lot about the glory of God here, but don't miss this. Everything God does is not haphazard. We may not understand the reasons, but everything God does is to show his glory and his greatness. For example, creation. He made the world to show his glory. Psalm chapter 19, verse 1. In Psalm 9 10, the heavens declare the glory of God. The sky above proclaims his handiwork. That God made the world to show us his attributes, his Greatness. Friends, our salvation, as much as we get the benefit of it, is not primarily about us and for us. It is for showing the glory of God. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 7, what he told his people in Israel. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. God made us for his glory. God saved us for his glory. So creation is for his glory. Our lives are for his glory. Our salvation is for his glory. Even the church is for his glory. Ephesians chapter 3. Verse 10, this is fascinating who he's showing his glory to. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authority in the heavenly places. So there's different reasons God made the church, but one of them is so that angels and spiritual beings could see the glory of God and what he's doing and bringing the redeemed together. So even the gathered church is for the glory of God. Everything God does is for his glory. So go back to verse 15 with that definition of holiness in place. But as he who called you is separate from sin, as he who called you is devoted to seeking his own honor and glory. And that is so important that Peter here repeats it from an Old Testament reference, verse 16, since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am separate from sin. I am pure. I am devoted to seeking my own honor and glory. God says, I am holy here. Friends, this is repeated all over scripture. We've just read it from the Psalms, from Isaiah, from James, from Hebrew. It's from Ephesians. We've seen it everywhere But here specifically, he's quoting Leviticus, right? Everyone's favorite devotional reading, right? He's quoting Leviticus here to show the holiness of God. And so there's actually debate among scholars, well, which passage is he referencing? And the reason why this debate is because Leviticus says, be holy as I am holy over and over and over and over all throughout the book. And so he's actually quoting something that's repeated over and over and over through Leviticus. So for example, Leviticus chapter 11, verse 45 for I am the Lord who brought you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. You shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. Leviticus chapter 19, verse 2, you see the same thing again. Speak to all the congregation of the people of Israel and say to them, you shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, I am holy. Leviticus chapter 20, verse 26, here it is again. You shall be holy to me, for I, the Lord, am holy. And it separate you from the peoples that you should be holy. Mine, all throughout Scripture, from Leviticus to Hebrews to James, you name it, to Ephesians to the Psalms, all of Scripture shows that God is declaring, I am holy, I am holy. And He's saying, I'm separate from sin, I'm pure, and I'm devoted to my glory and my honor. Friends, we have to start there. If we don't start there, this command to reflect the holiness of God will not make sense. This command is rooted in God's character and God's nature. That's where Peter starts to help us understand this command. But there's a second place Peter goes next after going to the holiness of God, that is to who we now are. Not just who we are, but who we now are. He describes us in verse number 14, and he does so with a contrast. Look at how he says it. As obedient children... Do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. Now, notice the contrast here, former ignorance. This is describing our life before we met Christ. He doesn't mince words here. He doesn't try to make us feel good. He says, before Christ, you were ignorant in your past. Now, what were we ignorant of? One of the authors I read said it so well. We were immersed in ignorance of God's truth and beauty. Let's think. before Christ, we were immersed. We were living in ignorance of God's truth and God's beauty doesn't mean we didn't know some truth about God, but our lives weren't being changed by it. Before we knew Christ, we were immersed in our ignorance of God's truth, but also of God's beauty. We were not captivated by his glory and his greatness. Love how 2 Corinthians 4, 4 describes it for us. In 2 Corinthians 4, Paul writes to the people in Corinth. He says, in in their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers. They are ignorant of the beauty and the glory of Christ to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So before Christ, you and I were we were all ignorant of the beauty and the truth of God. And what was the result of our ignorance? Go back to verse fourteen of our text today. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, because we were ignorant of the beauty of God. We were bound to our passions. The word passions in Scripture means our desires, and it's normally used to describe sinful desires, which is how Peter uses it here, that we were slaves to our sinful desires before we discovered the beauty of God. We were bound in this, what Paul says in Titus chapter 3, verse 3, in describing us. He says, For we ourselves were once foolish. We were disobedient. We were led astray. We were slaves to various passions and pleasures Passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. This is just some examples he gives of how our ignorance of the beauty of God led us to lives where we were slaves to our passions, to our sinful desires. So before Christ, no matter how much good stuff we tried to do, our lives were marked by a lack of holiness because even our desires were full of sinful thoughts. But he says, but something changes here. And he gives us a contrast. He gives us three phrases to show us who we are now. Go to verse 15 for the first one. But as he who called you is holy. He says that God has called us. So the first difference in our lives is we are now called by God. He has called us. This is the effectual call. We talk about the granting to us of salvation. This is what we saw back in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope. This is God's calling on us that leads us to be born again, where he saves us. And Peter elaborates, we'll get to this in a few weeks, well, maybe a few months, but First Peter chapter 2, verse 9 here, he says, "'You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him, notice this, who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light.'" That God has called us from the darkness of sin and the slavery to our passion called us to the light of himself and the light of walking with him. So we saw a few weeks ago, friends, because of Christ calling us, we are different now. We're different from how we used to be and we're different from the world because of his calling. So the first thing he's showing, you're different. You're no longer slaves to your passions of your former ignorance because you're called by God. There's a second phrase here, and this comes from being called by God. Go back to verse 14 and notice the identity we have because we're called by God. It says, as obedient children. And because God called us, we are now his children. We've been adopted by him. We belong to him. That's what John describes in 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. Friends, the fact that God called us means we are now his children. We belong to him. We're part of his family. We have a new identity, a new sense of belonging. And so if we're called by God and have this new identity, friends, it's going to change us because he's given us a new nature. So the third phrase that shows the difference here is back here in verse 14. Not just as children, but as obedient children. Now, friends, this is not a command for us to obey here. This is not an imperative. This is a description of our new nature. That if God has called us and God has adopted us in his family, he is changing our nature so that we are now obedient. Now, you hear me say it all the time. We talk about God's grace. Yes, it's his saving grace, but it's also his transforming grace. They go together. There's no such thing as God giving saving grace and not then transforming grace also. They go together. When He makes, When he calls us, when he adopts us, he also starts to transform us. Friends, if we truly know God, we will be transformed to be more like him. I mean, think about earthly family relationships. Have you ever noticed how you have picked up on things from your parents? You may not mean to do it, but there are things you do because your parents did them a certain way. There's phrases you say because your parents said them that way. There are things you like to do because your parents like to do them. Friends, there's a reason why all of my kids like Star Wars, even my two-year-old. There is a reason why my kids want to go ride roller coasters, there's a reason why they want to go backpacking because I like those things. I talk about those things, and my kids have picked up my nature. And so p- kids by nature pick up the or kids by nature pick up the nature of their parents, which is really sobering when I see my sin nature in my kids, but that's a sermon for a whole nother day, okay? The point is, children reflect their parents. And the more time kids spend with their parents, the more they pick up on those particular things. How much more so, if we are the children of God, and we're walking with God and knowing Him and spending time with Him, how much more should we be picking up on God's nature, which we just saw is holy? For the more we are in the presence of the Holy One, the more our lives will reflect his holiness. Please don't miss that. Just as a child in the presence of his parents, he or she begins to pick up more of his, his or her parents' nature, the more we are in the presence of the Holy One who has called us, the Holy One who has given us a new identity, the One who has given us a new nation, the more we are in his presence, the more we, our lives will reflect his holiness. But that truth comes with a warning for us that our old ways do not let go easily here. Go back to verse 14. As obedient children... Do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. Friends, that means there is a reality. that there's, It's possible for there to be areas of our lives where we are not conformed to Christ, where we're not looking like our heavenly Father, but we're looking like our old lost selves. It is very possible for us as believers to have areas to where sin still has a grip on us, that we are freed from the power of sin. We keep running back to it. And instead of embracing our new identity, there's areas in all of our lives, in my life and in your life, where our lives do not look conformed to Christ. They look conformed to our former ignorance. The important question for you and for me to think about is what area of my life is not conformed to Christ like it should be? I can't answer that one for you, but it's one you need to wrestle with and I need to wrestle with as we seek the Lord this week. What are the areas of our lives that are not being conformed right now to who we are in Christ? What are the areas of my life and your life that are still conformed to the passions of our former ignorance? Because there's so many things it could be. It could be we're being conformed to the selfishness of our past, where we're living for ourselves and more worried about self than others. It can be greed in our lives, where we're living for money or success or career advancement, things that don't necessarily seem bad, but that we've bought into the lie of the culture, and we're living a life of greed like the former ignorance. It could be for some of us people-pleasing, that the passion of our former ignorance is wanting everyone to like us and being willing to do whatever it took to get people to like us, that, that longing for approval still may be what is con- we're conformed to our old ways. For some, this, the conforming to the old ways is our speech, where our words boast ourselves and tear down others, where they create division, where they're not honest. And friends, and tragically, in so much of the American church, one of the main ways in which people are conformed to the passions of former ignorance is in our sexual lives. It plagues the churches today. Pornography, sexual activity outside of marriage. There's so much to where people who say, "Yes, I'm a follower of Christ," but our lives are being conformed to the passions of our former ignorance. These passions don't let go easily. First Peter chapter two verse eleven. Again, we'll get to this one here in a few months. But in First Peter two eleven, he said, "Beloved, I urge you. This is important. As sojourners and exiles, to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which notice this, which wage war against your soul." Friends, is any wonder you and I struggle with sin? These passions of our former ignorance do not let go easily. They are waging war against us. That means there is a real danger in any of us being lured away by any sin. None of us are above any sin. Anyone us could fall to any temptation any day because they're fighting against us and we could fall back to our old ways. So what does God want for us instead? God's will is for us to grow in reflecting his holiness. He wants us to grow in reflecting his holiness, not to be conformed to our old ways, but to grow in walking with him. I mentioned last week, friends, that we don't accidentally start focusing and disciplining our minds on Jesus. It takes intentionality. Likewise, no one accidentally grows in holiness. When I see mature believers who are walking with God and killing their old sin patterns and growing in holiness, they're not accidentally getting that way. They're not scratching their heads and being like, I'm not quite sure how I'm godlier than I used to be. not quite sure what happened. There was intentionality in that. It was a pursuit of God that led to that holiness. So go back to verse 15. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all of your conduct. In every area of your life, speech, thoughts, your actions, your sexuality, everything, you also be holy in every part of your life. God's will is for us to grow in that. Now, how do we practically do that? Well, that's what a lot of the rest of the book is going to be about. Most of the rest of 1 Peter is showing us how this command of holiness applies in different areas. But I want to give us three practical things that we can do that cover everything we're going to see. Again, the rest of this book, if you look ahead in it, is all about what holiness looks like and how we relate to authority and how holiness looks like in our homes and in our actions and our words. There's going to be so much exposition of this and what Peter says. But for right now, big picture, how do we practically grow in holiness? Number one, this one's going to be the self-obvious one. You hear it all the time. We study scripture. Now, it sounds like a broken record on this, friends, but there is no growth in holiness. There's no growth in discipline in our minds thinking about God apart from The word of God. We saw this last week. Go back to verse 13. Therefore, preparing your minds for action. Remember, last week that was girding up the loins of your mind, being sober minded. Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Christ. I've said last week, the battle begins in the mind. And friends, the more our mind is filled with the thoughts of God's holiness, the greater our ability will be by God's grace to resist temptation. The more we read scripture, the more we see God for who he is. Again, I mentioned earlier, we've seen the holiness of God from Leviticus to Ephesians, to Psalms, and everywhere in between. The more we read Scripture, we cannot help escape this beauty of the holiness and the glory of God. And the more we read Scripture, friends, the more we see our identity in Christ as the called people of God, as people belonging to his family, as people who have a new nature. The more we are in Scripture, the more we see God, and the more we see our new nature, and that helps us to grow in pursuing holiness. The more we see God for who he is, and the more we see who we now are in Christ. So again, the practical question for us tonight ask, friends, how much time am I and how much time are you spending in Scripture? This week, is there any hope of us growing in holiness based on how we read the Word? We diligently study Scripture. Number two, we repent of known sins. We repent of known sins. Friends, as we study Scripture, God is going to show us areas where we have fallen short that week, perhaps that day, perhaps that minute before, Right? He, as we study Scripture, he shows ways that we sin, even on the way driving to church this morning, right? Our lives are full of sin, and as we study Scripture, it becomes a mirror that God uses to show us where we are falling short according to his standard. So when God shows us this, what do we do? We repent. Now, what is repentance? Repentance is us talking to God about our sin. It means we acknowledge it. We acknowledge his standard is good and right. We acknowledge that we have broken it. We grieve over it. Our hearts ache that we have offended God. And so we ask him for his forgiveness. But friends, repentance isn't just saying, God, forgive me, I'm going to do it again so I can ask again tomorrow. Repentance says, God, help me change. God, I've offended you. I've broken your standard. Please, God, please help me change. And we seek his grace. If you're thinking, I don't quite know how to pray that. I can't remember that. Go to Psalm 51. If you're not sure how to pray prayers of repentance, let Psalm 51 guide you. You have to do it every day and say, Lord, I send in my speech, let Psalm 51 guide you. Just here, look at the first three verses of Psalm 51. Psalm 51, one. Oh, have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgression, verse two. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin, verse three. For I know my transgression, my sin is ever before me. And in the verses that follow, David continues to unpack that. This is the king of Israel confessing his sin of adultery, his sexuals. And this is the king of Israel confessing his murder of another person. And this is him on his face before God in the temple dealing with his sin in a prayer of repentance. If you're going, I'm not sure how to repent, read Psalm 51 and just insert your sin into this and let that become a way the Holy Spirit grows you in repenting. Friends, the reality is I sin daily and you sin daily. And so our lives are to be lives of practicing Repentance. I love how Seth prays for us so often that the Lord would help us repent of our sins and be a people who repent daily, friends. So the question for us is when was the last time you and I prayed prayers like Psalm 51? You know, we pray prayers all the time of Lord, I need this, Lord, I need that, Lord, help this person, help this person who's sick, help me in my sickness. And we need to pray that God calls us and invites us to talk about anything. But are we getting on our face before God saying, Lord, my speech hurt someone today? I know my transgressions is ever before me. Wash me thoroughly from my sin. Lord, I had an impure thought. Please wash me from this. Cleanse me. And using Psalm 51, when are we on our face before God, repenting of our sins? So how do we grow in holiness regardless of the area? We study scripture. Number two, we repent of our known sins. i want to give you one more. There's not one I normally have thought about, but I started thinking about this week in light of this text. We think about eternity. We think about eternity. Now, when I talk, think about practical holiness, eternity in heaven is not normally what's coming to my mind. I think I'm a very pragmatic checklist person. I want to check the boxes and I want to do certain things to fix the problem. But I don't think I've thought enough about eternity when we're trying to live lives of repentance. Now, why is this so important? Well, think about what Peter's done in this letter. When Peter talks about salvation, yeah, I mentioned this a few weeks ago. Sometimes he talks about the past, justification, sometimes he talks about the present, sanctification. But most of the time when Peter speaks of salvation, he's speaking of glorification, that day when we get the fullness experience of our salvation. Now, why does thinking about eternity help? Friends, because in eternity we will be fully holy. The day is coming when we're glorified. Yes, we're not going to have sickness. There's no more pain, no more blurry vision, no more aches and pains. But we're not going to have sin or temptation anymore. We will be fully holy. 1 John chapter 3 Verse 2, look at how it's described for us. Beloved, we are God's children. Here's that theme again. And what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he, Christ, appears, when he returns, we shall be like him. What did we just see earlier? He's holy, he's pure, he's separate from all sin. We're going to be like him because we shall see him as he is. Since the day is coming, you and I will be fully holy. And we need to think about that now as it motivates us to pursue holiness. Notice how, go back to our text today, notice how verses 13 and 14, Flow together. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at, here's the future tense, at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, there's no break in Peter's thought as obedient children. Do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. Do you see this? Last week, he's saying, fix your eyes on eternity. Now, as obedient children, be holy. The more we fix our eyes on eternity, the more we will be holy. Friends, the day that you and I see Christ face to face, we will never want riches again. We will never want career advancement again. We will not want pornography. We will not want sexual sins. We will not want the approval of others. We're not going to be focused on ourselves and how to get ahead in our plan of future. When we see Christ in his holiness, not only will we fall on our face, but we ourselves will become fully holy as well. And we're not going to begrudge that holiness. We're not going to be sitting there when we see Christ in all of his holiness and he has made us holy. We're not going to be being like, this is going to be a really boring life. This is crushing my way of life. This is so oppressive. I need to be me. No, when we see Christ face to face, we will be us, who we were supposed to be in our glorified state, free of sin and temptation. We will be holy, and it will fill our lives with hope and joy. The question for us is, why does that perspective on holiness not seem to come to our minds now? Why is it, think back to my opening question, when you think of being holy or pursuing holiness or repenting of sins in your life, why does that seem so begrudging to us often compared to the joy it will be when we are fully holy one day? What keeps the pursuit of holiness today from being as joy-filled for us as the day it will be when we see Christ face-to-face? So let's bring all of that back together, friends This text is God's calling to us, God's will for us to grow in reflecting his holiness in our lives. God's will is for us to grow in reflecting his holiness in our lives. God is calling us today to begin to experience more and more what we will experience for all eternity. Seeing him in his holiness and experiencing, reflecting that in our own lives. Friends, that perspective on holiness is not prudish, antiquated, burdensome. It is joy-filled. So I wonder what happened this week if we as the people of God would say, Lord, would you give me a joy in thinking about your holiness? And would you give me a joy in wanting and desiring your holiness this week? And friends, let us be a people this week that are quick to repent when God shows us areas of our lives to not excuse them, to brush them off, but to think about eternity, to think about the holiness of God, and think about the holiness that will be ours, and to what that motivate us this week to pursue practical holiness in whatever ways. God shows us. Would you pray with me? Father, we are grateful for your word, and we're grateful for where your word convicts us and challenges us, because Lord, we know you love us too much to leave us in our sin. God, your will is for us not just to escape hell. Your will is for us to be transformed, to be more and more like Christ. Lord, I pray in my own heart, in the heart of these precious brothers and sisters, that you would turn our mind to Eternity. what we saw just last week in your word, that God, that you would set our hope fully, set our gaze fully on the hope that is ours when Christ returns. As we think about, God, your holiness, as we think about the holiness that will be fully ours when we get to heaven one day, Lord, I pray that would motivate us to long for it now. So God, would you in my life and the life of these precious brothers and sisters this week grow our hunger for your word, but we're not gonna see your holiness As we scroll through social media, as we go about our jobs, Lord, we see your holiness in your word. So, God, would you increase our hunger, our appetite for your word, and may we long to feast on it because we've tasted and seen that you are good. But yet, Lord, you know, you see the depths of our sin. We are all full of sin. So, Lord, I pray this week you would give us grace to repent of those sins. As you bring to mind the different sins of our thoughts, our words, our actions, God, that we wouldn't just write it off. We wouldn't brush it away. God, we'd be quick to do what David did, to say, have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. Wash me thoroughly from my sins. Cleanse me from my iniquity. God, would you let us be a repenting people this week? Because there will be something every day every one of us needs to repent of. So help us run to your word. Help us repent. But Lord, you know how short-sighted I am and we all can be. So God, I pray this week that you would help us think about eternity. That we would think about your holiness that we will see with unveiled faces for forever. And you'd help us think about the holiness that we will experience for forever. The trillions of years from now that if we know you, we will see your holiness and we will experience your holiness with nothing to stand in the way. I pray that reality would drive us to long to begin to taste more of that right here on this earth now. So Holy Spirit, come fill me, fill these brothers and sisters Show us those areas where our lives are being conformed to the passions of our former ignorance. Show us the areas that God, you want in your goodness and love for us to conform us to Christ instead. And would you pursue us and chase after us this week to make us more like Christ? We ask for your glory and for our joy. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand now as we sing the Lord a song of praise as our closing song? conform to my foreigners that you want to change. Just ask him, well, show me what area of my life needs conforming to you this week. Now would you take just a minute and ask the Lord to fill you with his Holy Spirit and to change you and transform you this week. Close today I want us to read a verse of Scripture as a closing benediction, for Thessalonians chapter five, verse twenty-three and verses twenty-four. I want, us to, I want us to read this out loud together as our declaration of what we believe, but also as our prayer for what we want God to do this week. Would you say it with me? Now may the God of peace Himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body. He kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Father, that is the prayer of us, your people. Sanctify us this week. Be faithful to do that in our lives. Lord, for our joy and for your glory, those are at stake. So would you do it this week, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, Gateway family. Have a great Sunday afternoon.